Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. Good to see all of you. How's it going? I'm kind of excited to be in Elgin, and we are going to start the year this year the same way that we finished last year, uh, focusing on uh, this goal, uh, how to have peace of mind. And all in favor of peace of mind? Amen. Now, now uh, here, here, here's the thing. This was going to be the second part in a two-part series, but uh, as it turned out, I discovered uh, last night that it's going to be a three-part uh, uh, series. So turn to your neighbor and say, well, that's all right. We're going to uh, uh, remind ourselves of the definition of peace, first of all. And uh, peace is uh, a calm assurance that what God is doing uh, is best. Let's say that together. What's peace? It's a Nice. You actually didn't just say it. You kind of said it calmly, <laughs> which I like that. Um, uh, by calm, we mean uh, not stressed in any way. How's that going? Not, not pacing back and forth, not lying awake, not wringing my hands, not biting my nails. Uh, calm. It's like one of my worst things. Just me though, right? Lousy people. <laughs> Anybody else have trouble being calm? It's the calm assurance. Assurance is confidence. I like definitions. Confidence is trust born of experience. Baby Christians find it hard to trust God because they have no experience with Him. But when you've done a few laps in the faith car, uh, you realize that God's going to bring this around. And, and uh, so confidence is trust born of experience. Uh, assurance is uh, confidence born of experience. So um, peace then is the calm confidence that is trust born of experience. Assurance. Peace is the calm assurance that what God it all comes down to this. Uh, peace isn't something that we uh, find in a walk in the woods. You can uh, be just as stressed out on vacation as you are at the office. You can come home exhausted from what was supposed to bring you rest and peace. This is something that God gives. That's why it's called the peace of God in the passage we're going to study this morning. Peace is the calm assurance that what God uh, is doing uh, is best. Um, by the way, um, if you don't have this, uh, you'll get it soon. Um, best, uh, not easiest. Right? What God's doing is not uh, easiest. If you signed up for easiest, um, I wish you'd read the fine print. Okay? Uh, Christianity is not the easiest life. True or false? It's the best life, but it's not the easiest life. Um, so peace is not the calm assurance that what God is doing is easiest, and it's not the calm assurance that what God is doing is uh, fastest. 
And I wish that forming Christ-likeness in you and I was a fast process. I'd definitely love to sign up for the accelerated program. It's not fastest, is it? It's not easiest, it's not fastest. What is it? Tell me what it is. It's best. What God is doing is best. And I, I love that about the Lord. I love the Lord that he loves you and me enough to skip fastest and easiest and to hold out for what's best. I love that about him. I love people like that. I love people that hold out for the best uh, in each other. They don't settle uh, easily. They're, they're, we're insistent with one another because we want what's best. That's what God wants. And uh, sometimes wanting what's best means having difficult conversations. It means going through hard things. Um, boy, I really like that. I want that. I want the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. It's called peace. And just so you know, um, it doesn't matter so much that I want it for myself and that I want it for you. Uh, Jesus Christ wants it for us. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Look at this. Just so you know, because he wants this for you too. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. That's what he said to the disciples. He's in the upper room. When we start studying John 13, I'm going to teach you that it's called the upper room discourse. John 13 all the way through John 17 is one long message from Jesus to the disciples in the upper room. The other gospels focus on the Last Supper. John doesn't even mention the Last Supper. He just mentions the things Jesus said in the upper room. And here's one of the things he said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. How does the world give? It overpromises and underdelivers. It gives and then demands it back. It, it, it says it'll give and doesn't. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave with you. So, um, how to have peace of mind. Uh, we know what peace is. We know that Jesus wants it for us. Have you opened your Bibles yet to Philippians chapter 4? And uh, let's just review a little bit where we were uh, last time. Uh, we agreed together. How, how many people, I'm curious to know, how many people weren't here uh, at church last week? See, lots of people. So I thought that because of the holidays and everything. Just review a little bit. I'll just take a moment. And the first thing that we talked about, uh, verse 1 is kind of introduction in, in uh, Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. We talked about that. And then starting in verse 2, this pursuit of peace. Notice in verse 7, the peace of God. Notice in verse 9, the God of peace. That's the goal in this a paragraph is peace. And, and uh, so in order to have peace, the first thing we have to do is get out of our mind things we think about that hinder peace. And much more so than we realize, we actually choose what we're going to think about. And, and uh, so how, how, well, how, do I, how do I deal with some of these negative things that I'm thinking about that are, 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 are taking my peace of mind, my calm assurance that what God is doing is best? Well, the first thing we do is uh, remove contaminants. The first one is we resolve conflict. And you may have some conflict in your life that you can't solve and others won't let you solve it, but as much as it lies within you, 
as he says here in verse 2, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche, those were two women to, in the church, to agree in the Lord, to get on the same page. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, we learned that that was actually a name of a person, um, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul just says, man, get on the same page, agree in the Lord. We asked three questions, is it eternal, is it biblical, and must we agree? If the answer is yes, it's eternal, it's biblical, we must agree, then we're going to go at this. And God wants it worked out, and he won't give peace of mind to bitter people, to unforgiving people, to a harsh people. They don't have peace of mind. You can't have peace of mind if, if you're thinking about uh, relational conflict. Maybe some of you through the holidays had some conflict in your family. Maybe uh, the kids were back home. Maybe you were in contact with people that it's not easy for you to relate to and you had conflict. Now you don't have peace about that. And that's got to get, get to a better place. And that means that you're going to need to be willing to scan the horizon of your life's relationships, select out the ones that you haven't done what you can do to be at peace with them, and do what you can. Make a phone call, write a letter, reach out in humility, resolve conflict. The next contaminant that has to be removed is not conflict, it's negativity. And negativity is kind of a hard thing to push out of your mind by itself. It needs something in its place. And that's why he says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And for emphasis, again I will say, rejoice. And rejoicing is the verbal form or, or the, uh, the verbal form of joy. When joy is in the heart, rejoicing is the act of expressing it, getting it out. We reviewed last week that joy is a supernatural delight. You get it from God. It's a supernatural delight in the person of God, who he is, and the pur purposes of God, what he's doing, and in the people of God, the people that we're doing it with. And uh, we have so much joy in the people in, in, in our church here. And uh, rejoicing is another way to get the negativity out, removing contaminants, resolve conflict, rejoice always. And then I've thought about this a ton this week. Reject unreasonableness. So much conflict is born of unreasonableness. You can't be reasoned with. You people, you people can't work stuff out with you because you're not reasonable. You're just not reasonable. You don't yield. And, and uh, that yielding is described by a great word here in verse 5 when he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. See that in verse 5? The word reasonableness. How many people, I'm curious, how many people have gentleness in your Bible there in verse 5? If you have that in your uh, um, translation. Either way, here's what the word means. I'm not unnecessarily rigorous. You're just not difficult to work things out with. There's a lot of people who have a lot of thoughts about how a lot of things need to be. And, and it's very frequent that we get in a room with a bunch of people who care about these matters as much as I do and we hash it out together how this has to get to a better place. And there needs to be a, a mutual listening where everyone in the circle has their opinion adjusted by the truth that everyone's bringing forward. That's not unnecessarily rigorous. Not hard to work things out with. 
it says there, where not, the re, where not the legal right is in view. A person who always has my rights, what I deserve, what I want, what I insist. That's a hard, that's a hard, that's a hard person to deal with. I hope you're not that person. I hope uh, dads, husbands, I hope you're not that person in your home where everybody's, you can never yield. Everyone's got to figure out a way to get on your page. That's not good. It's not gentleness. It's not godliness. And it forfeits peace. And, and you can make your request known. You can, you can sit with a group of people and say, this we've got to figure this out. You can do that. But then you've got to be willing to yield and listen as people explain to you what those complexities are. You want peace of mind? Got to get some of the bad thinking out. Conflict's got to go. Negativity. Rejoice always. Reject unreasonableness. Now for the, as it turns out, for the rest of the message, just this fourth thing. I got nothing else for you. See all those notes there? I got all that stuff. That's going to have to be next week. Because verse 6 and 7 is so amazing that it would have it taken me probably two hours to get out everything I guess that I prepared. And so uh, just look at uh, verses 6 and 7. Actually, the version that Kathy and I memorized uh, about 30 years ago um, says it a bit different. Uh, it says, uh, be anxious. Now, that'd be a terrible place to stop the verse, right? <laughs> Finally, a verse I can obey. <laughs> be anxious. Man, I'm good at Mo. Philippians 4, 6a, that's my life verse. Be anxious, and I am on it. Well, that's why we have to read the whole verse. My, my, trans, my translation says, uh, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> really? Okay, well, let's break down the word first. Again, um, and I would just encourage you in your own Bible study, the meanings of words is actually really a helpful thing in getting the meat out of the text. Uh, the word anxiousness actually means uh, a dividing care. Um, it's, it's like worry. Worry and fear and anxiousness are all like these troubled sisters. But anxiousness is, is just a little different. It means a, a, a dividing care. Uh, as in, um, you know, we had our friends over and, and we were going to play a board game and have something to eat and just try to have a nice evening. But honestly, everyone was laughing and having fun and I just... I just couldn't get into it because I had something else on my mind. Like, that's a dividing care. I, I was exhausted and I, I went to bed and I knew I needed a night's sleep, but boy, in a couple of hours I was wide awake again and I, I just couldn't stop thinking of. I needed to sleep, but I had something. I had this dividing care. I, I so want to connect with our adult children when they, when they come over at Christmas and, 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 and I was just wanting to have a meaningful conversation with them but I was, I was running around the kitchen helping get dinner ready and, and I got a negative phone call from the office about something that had to get handled immediately and as it turned out I, I kind of pressed one of my kids about something that I wish had been more patient and I found myself preaching when I really wanted to listen and, and I just had a dividing care. No, there's no peace in that. The peace is when things are in their right place, which might mean just given to God. This is the best place I can put it. 
And then I don't have a dividing care anymore. I'm able to move through Christmas or a night with friends or so. In terms of that dividedness, um, do not be anxious. Do not have a dividing care about anything. Now think how many rationalizations we've built up about anxiety. Just think how many there are. So um, a lot of you would be like, well, I'm glad he's saying this, you know, for regular folk need to hear this. But if I could have a couple of minutes and tell him what I'm actually anxious about, he'd be like, well, okay, all right. Well, who wouldn't be anxious about that? And I agree that it is natural, and I agree that it is understandable, but as I've often taught my kids, many things are understandable that are not excusable. And because we believe uh, that this is going to be a great spot for an amen, because we believe that God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit, we believe that every word is chosen perfectly by God, and because we believe that, we believe that God, the one who made us, wants us to hear, do not be anxious about anything. The decision to be anxious is the decision to give up my peace. And the decision to be anxious is the decision to say, um, I'm not going to trust God in this. And, and uh, Years ago now, I looked it up. Actually, I can't believe it was all the way back in 2007. I was teaching through um, uh, 10 choices, and I uh, got to Jesus' teaching on I choose to trust versus worry. And I, I told you that our minds basically um, have like three channels. Remember when there were only three networks? I uh, barely do. No, as it turns out, I don't remember that at all. I believe that was my parents. Only three channels that your mind really can uh, stay focused on. Uh, channel one uh, is uh, the past. And there are some good things on channel one. Uh, there's good memories. There's uh, the record of God's faithfulness. There's uh, blessings that I've received. But there's also some pretty scary stuff comes on uh, channel one late at night. And, and um, bad things that have happened and wrong things that have been done to me and, and, and hurtful things that you've endured. And, and you've got to be real careful about ch uh, uh, chapter one, uh, uh, channel one. But this message uh, isn't anything about good memories or the bitterness, and forgive, uh, the bitterness and unforgiveness and all of the dangers on channel one. Um, this message has nothing to do with that. Uh, channel two is... Uh, the here and now. And as you study the scriptures, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, sufficient for today are the cares of today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And biblically speaking, uh, the Lord wants you and me to spend almost all of our mental capacity on channel 2. Just like right here, right now. There's really not much this afternoon that he wants you to be thinking about. There's really uh, hardly anything for the coming week. He just wants you to be dialed into what's happening right here, right now. All the time. 
giving your uh, spouse your full attention when you're talking to them and, 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 and giving your, your uh, time with the Lord your full attention just in the moment, in the present. And of course it's hurt from the past and anxiety about the future that draws us out of the present. Uh, channel three, as you can anticipate already, where we spend way, way, way too much time. How much of our peace is lost from watching uh, Channel 3 and, and thinking about, sure, we should plan, we should have goals for the new year, we should have dreams. There's occasionally a good program comes on uh, Channel 3, uh, but most of Channel 3 is I can't fix it, I can't settle it, all I can do is you can do a lot of great stuff on Channel 2 to take care of Channel 3, but focusing on uh, the future um, not so helpful. Is that clear? Is that clear? So just try as much as you can. You're going to find that the TV flips by itself to channel one and channel three. And you got to keep, who changed? Who, does that happen at your house? Who, who, who changed the channel here? And to get focused on the present is a great help to obeying this command. Do not uh, be anxious about anything. No excuses, no rationalizations. You say, how is that possible? Well, I love it when God's word doesn't just give the what to do, but it gives the how to it. How to do it, and here's the how to right here. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but, everyone say but. but. Y'all with me? How's the message going so far? <laughs> love you. Okay. Do not be anxious about anything, but in ah! in everything in everything i got out my uh, i got out my bible study tools and my original language uh, lexicons and i parsed this word very carefully and um, yeah not a not a uh, trust me i was looking for it not a lot of wiggle room there it uh, it actually uh, means can you tell me can you guess it means everything. It's, it's just, um, it means exactly that. Do not be anxious uh, about anything, uh, but in everything. So, just because I don't like to have to do all the work at church, just, just call out for me a couple of things that, I'm sure it wouldn't be you, but just maybe someone in your row or someone in your section might, be, uh, might tend to be anxious about. Just do it to help other people. Just call out to me a couple of things that you think, not from your own experience, of course, but just from maybe observing others or reading the paper or something. Um, that just call out some things that you think people might be anxious about. Okay, I heard like a whole money section here. This apparently, this is, a, this is a very, we pray for your financial blessing this whole section it said in unison money I heard that okay what else what delivering a baby that is specific <laughs> that is I I really appreciate because you know what I'm really glad she said that because um, isn't it true that we tend to study God's word in generalities but actually victory over anxiety and peace needs to be experienced in the specifics I love that one so money and delivering a baby. Okay, so um, well done. What else? What? Yeah, lack of control uh, in relationships, in Channel Three stuff. Uh, what else? 
health issues, for sure that, and we could get real specific about that, but I want to bring your uh, news out in the open, but we can all think of specifics in that regard. And then, um, what else? A wedding? Did someone say planning a wedding? All right, that's real specific. Relationships, of course, comes up a lot. Um, what? Yeah, job would be kind of a subset of financial things. All right, that's enough. You can think of some other examples. But when the Bible says, be anxious for uh, nothing, do not be anxious about anything, um, how many people would agree that it includes all of the stuff we just mentioned? And, and a lot of other stuff we didn't mention? Okay, so it means everything. Hopefully this is, James, you're talking to us like we're in kindergarten. Well... I think sometimes the power of a message is in its simplicity and in its clarity. Doctors list the following side effects of worry and anxiety. Side effects, physical side effects. Choose to sin, what? Choose to suffer. And, and when God says don't be anxious, he's not like trying to cheat us out of something really satisfying. He's trying to warn us about something really destructive to us at every level. It's interesting, the research bears this out. Doctors list the following side effects of worry and anxiety. Irritability, depression, insomnia, fatigue, headaches, migraines, tightness in the muscles of the neck and back, elevated heart rate, high blood pressure, upset stomach, ulcers. Some studies have indicated that anxiety weakens a person's immune system, making him more susceptible to colds, diseases, including cancer. It can tempt him to overeat or overwork leading to other health-related issues, and all because the person does not trust God. And of course, we have an entire industry uh, dedicated to treating um, anxiety at a symptom level. There's a drugstore in every corner now, it seems, and Valium, Halcyon, Prozac, Busbar, Ativar, Centrax, at least 30 products available at the corner drugstore to calm the troubled waters of the anxious mind. And if you're taking some of that medication, my point isn't to pound you about what you have done to cope. My point is to maybe alert you to what you may or may not know is, and then that's just a symptom solution. You haven't really addressed the cause of your anxiety, and I'd like to try to do that now from this scripture. You, if you're saying to yourself, well, um, yeah, James, you, you might be like imagining that you have a health problem when you don't because you read some dumb book or something, but I don't, I'm not imagining anything, okay? I got a real problem. I had a real problem with one of my kids. I, I have a real problem at work, okay? I'm not imagining something. I wish you wouldn't do that, but I'm not doing that. I have a real, real problem. Okay, awesome, because this solution is going to help that too. Whether it's something you're magnifying or something that is actually very large, I think both exist. And notice that in either case, what... God's word says, do not be anxious about anything, but, but, it always turns on that, doesn't it? But in everything, in everything, uh, by prayer. Really? Really. By prayer 
And, and by prayer, um, uh, it, it's not talking about um, some of our uh, lame praying. Um, um, some examples would be, um, um, you know, quickie prayers. I was in the, uh, in the uh, produce aisle at the supermarket, and as I picked up the oranges to see how uh, firm they were, I shot off a little prayer to God. That's probably not going to get you a lot of peace, okay? And, and, and little, pr- if you like to write stuff down, write this down. Little prayers, little peace. Uh, big prayers, big peace, okay? And so little arrow prayers in the car, in the kitchen. Um, I understand how that works, and I think that probably is a good pray without ceasing communion with the Lord thing. But, but another kind of praying that isn't going to give you a lot of peace is, is ritual praying. Our Father, Hail Mary, repetitive, unbiblical even, ritualistic praying. You're not going to get a lot of peace from that. If you want peace, you've got to pray uh, biblically. So here, we've been over these things many times. I'm not going to go into them now. Uh, but um, just to say, um, by myself, kneel down out loud with a list, fervent prayer. I'll give you those. By myself, out loud, kneel down with a list, fervent prayer. You have a prayer time like that for five or ten minutes, a river of peace is rushing down the parched canyon of your anxiety. It's coming. I'd have several prayer times like that this past week. A couple of them by myself, a couple of them with my wife, which is to me is praying kind of like praying by myself. We're one and we'll kneel down together and go over something and pray about it. She'll take my hand as we've got to pray about this right now. And, and. If you're going to go for peace, anxiety has to go. It's the last contaminant that has to be removed. The enemy of your peace is anxiety. And God's word is telling you how to get, you say, well, but I just really struggle with anxiety. Then this is guaranteed accurate. You're not a good prayer. You don't pray that. Just look back this past week. Have you been fretting, fearful, anxious, worried about some things? Surely, uh, that was increased as you got further and further from your last fervent prayer time. In fact, uh, give give yourself a score on a scale of 1 to 10 on your uh, prayerfulness in the last month. 10 would be, I was just tearing it down several times a day, rocking the world faith-filled, God-answering, awesome prayer time. Zero would be zero. I can't remember the last time I knelt down and prayed out loud fervently with a list. I don't even remember the last time that happened. Now this is surely true. Take that score and now score yourself same thing, one to, 0 to 10, on anxiety. 0 would be, I can't believe you're still talking about this. I'm so calm. Nothing bothers me, ever. 
can't even remember the last time I was on the bed. Ten, I think you know, is ah! all the time freaking out, freaking out all the time. Well, this is what is surely, surely true. The lower your score in prayer, the higher your score in anxiety. For sure. And if you want a lower score in anxiety, you have to get a higher score in prayer. And where I have, I have. And where I haven't, I haven't. And it's not a mysterious thing, and it's not a matter of your personality so much as you'd like to make it. I don't know how God's word could be clearer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer. And then he adds this, by supplication. And someone uh, said that prayer uh, is uh, requests related to our own Situation, supplication for others, I'm not sure about that uh, exactly. Uh, What I can tell you is, is that your anxiety is directly related to what you're thinking about. And if you're thinking about God on your knees and how awesome he is. I was uh, reading this week uh, the book by, um, uh, about Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple. Anybody anybody read that? This this book's unbelievable. And and you got to get this. This, he was like a Zen Buddhist or something. I don't know what he was, but, but, but uh, it was, it's not a Christian book. But, I mean, the guy was so talented, so devoted. Um, how many people own uh, an Apple product? <laughs> Enough said, right? And, and, and uh, just, just the impact of him, and he was a very complicated person. It's really an interesting read. I didn't know very much about him at the beginning of the book, but it's a 500-page book. And I'm not a super fast reader. Kathy asks me sometimes if I'm memorizing that page. And, 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 and um, so it takes me a while to read a 500-page book, but at the end of it, I was pretty upset when he died. He died in October of 2011, and I knew that he died. But I was more upset after I spent all that time reading about him that, that he died. And, and, uh, then he, and he died of cancer. And, and you all know I had uh, cancer a few years back, and um, prostate cancer, and I... Um, haven't thought, I'm not at my five-year cancer-free point yet, but I hadn't honestly had any anxiety, but I hadn't even thought about it uh, for quite a while, just trusting the Lord and getting my blood tests every so often. And, and, uh, but after I read the whole thing about him and dying of cancer, and it upset me. And for, for a while I was thinking about him, but then I was thinking about myself again. I was thinking, boy, that happened so suddenly, and it could just catch you off guard, and no one knows how long they have to live, and I wonder how long I have to live. And anxiety, 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 anxiety. It's going up like this. You got to pray that back down and go back and review the things that you know to be true about God and about his faithfulness. But there's one particular component of your peace-producing, anxiety-destroying prayer that is absolutely essential. This has to be in your prayer. Look at the text and tell me what it is. Do you see it there? The whole message is coming out of what the Bible says. Do you see it there? So in everything, by prayer and supplication, with, say it, again, with with thanksgiving. So apparently there's, because there's lots of teaching in the Bible on prayer that doesn't include a little 
side note, don't forget the Thanksgiving part. It's interesting, in Romans chapter 1, uh, we learn that uh, at the base of man's depravity, it says, neither did they, they glorify God, nor were they thankful. And I would say that ungratefulness is the essence of godlessness. And thankfulness what happens when you uh, go in a room by yourself and shut the door and, and pray out loud with a list fervently and then you start to thank God? What do you thank Him for? You thank Him for the things that He's done in your life. You thank Him for the things that He's done already in your family. You thank Him for the things that He's provided. You thank Him for the ways that He's cared for you. You thank Him for the wisdom that He's given and the protection that He's provided. And, and you, you, you find your mind reviewing God's resume of faithfulness through your thankfulness. And all of a sudden you become aware that what He has been for you he is for you and will continue to be for you. And, and suddenly those things that were causing such anxiety don't seem so big. Finish the sentence. Anymore. They just don't seem to be as big as they were. And, and in my mind was sort of like that kid's book, Where the Wild Things Are. It's just creepy and really that's a kid's picture? That's sort of scary. And then by the time I was praying about it, everything just looked a lot different. And I had peace. I had the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. So, um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving then this part after you're done your thanking let your requests because because some of you were thinking James my problem your, your problem might have been you were worried about you read that book and you were worried about something you didn't need to be worried about but but my problem isn't anxiety about something imagined my anxiety is about something real. I got a real problem with my son. I got a real problem with my job. I, it's, it's real, James. I'm not making it up. Okay, and that's why at the end of your thankfulness time, I have real problems too, by the way, not just imagined ones. And that's why at the end of your thankfulness, it says, let your requests be made known to God. Like, well, that's weird. I thought, you always, say God, you always say God knows everything. What do I got to tell him for if he already knows? Now, which is it, James? Either he knows or he doesn't. Okay, well, first of all, you're a bit cranky. <laughs> first. Relax. And the second thing is, is God does know. God knows for sure, God knows. God knows what we need before we ask him, the scripture says. It isn't, when it says, let your request be made known to, unto God, it's not saying that so that, like God's not up in heaven going, ah, really? 
All right then. Everyone say it's not like that. It's not like that. God's not learning anything when you're praying. We don't pray. I know it says let your request be made known to God, but what's, I get that. What's really happening there is it isn't that God needs to know. It's that God needs to know you know he knows. Got it? So God knows. He needs you to know he knows. That's what praying is. Praying isn't God finding out. Praying is me finding out that God's found out. Doesn't that ever happen in one of your relationships? It's not that the person you love, it's not that you need them to tell you, it's that they need to tell you. That's why when we're listening to someone in our family, we don't say, I already know all about this. We, that's, not, that's not great. We let them tell us because they need to do that. And so uh, we're not informing God in prayer. We're coming to see how well he knows. And I could just tell you that my articulating to God what I am burdened about is the most peace-producing thing in my life. And if you have not walked into that very far, I encourage you to take a few steps this year into the peace-producing result of thankful praying. Um, let your requests be made known to God. So here it comes. What if, I, what if I do that, James? What if I just really leave here today, get home, get alone, get on my knees, get a list, pray out loud fervently, Here's what will happen. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with, oh, by the way, in everything, I wanted to say one more thing about that. That means that there's nothing that's dumb to pray about. Okay? There's nothing. If somebody's like, what are you praying about? Um, everything. You don't need to pray about that. I need to pray about everything. Nothing makes the unimportant list. I think that's interesting. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your repest be made known to God, and the, here it is, and the peace of God, and the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. Oh yeah, here's the last part I wanted to get to. It will uh, guard, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. What do you think that means? Stay with me here, we're going to be done in about two minutes, so i got to have you get this part. What do you think that means? And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Do you know what it means? It passes all understanding. Well done, well done. You could do my job. <laughs> um, um, I heard some people say, you can't understand it. Well, um, my mom used to always teach us that that's what it meant. She would say, it means that when people, you see people who are going through things and they have God's peace, and you'll just be like, how could they be so calm? I don't understand it. Look, look what they're facing. Look what they're carrying. Look what they're doing. How could they possibly have peace? I just, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. I'll never understand that. Now, I, you know, I revere my mother. She's having a really good day today in heaven. And I, I don't want to critique her, but I'm just going to just say that um, I had always heard from her and from others that that's what it means. You won't be able to understand it. But 
I got a, a kind of a different insight into this this week that I'm just going to throw out to you. Now, one of the ways that you understand a verse in the Bible is you take that word. If you don't understand a word, take the word and see how it's used other places in the Bible. And this word, uh, surpassing understanding, it's used five times in the New Testament. It's used two other times in the book of Philippians. I think if we look at those times, we might be able to get a sense of exactly what he's going for here. In Philippians chapter 2, where he says in verse 3 that we should esteem others better than ourselves, it's the same word, uh, better, surpassing. So when we, when we think about others as better than ourselves, we're not supposed to think of them as half a brick taller. We're to think of people as significantly better and more important than ourselves. That helps us out a lot. In chapter 3, verse 8, the same word is used talking about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Now, if you take all the knowledge that's available to us in the world, how much better is knowing Jesus than knowing calculus? It mean, the word means far better, far more. And, and um, so when he says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I believe the understanding is the way you used to think about things when you didn't have peace. So you got some bad test results from the doctor. I was, I was um, not thinking about it right. And I was filled with anxiety. I, my wife and I, we were expecting a baby and, and, and it was... It, we just weren't sure how it was going to go, and, 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 and we, were, we were filled with anxiety about that. And, and uh, money, we, we didn't know how the Lord was going to provide for us, and, and a job, and you take all these things that people called out. The anxiety is flowing from a wrong understanding of the situation. And when I take that wrong understanding and I bring it to God, and in thankful prayer, I lay it out before him. He gives me a peace that is far better than my old way of thinking about that. Now I have God in the equation. Now I have his promises and his assurance, and, his, and I've reviewed his track record and I used to fret about my son, my unsaved sister, my job, my, you fill in the blank. I used to have anxiety about that, but I lost my anxiety and got instead a peace that is such a better way of thinking about that, that it surpasses by far my old way of thinking. Now, if the trial is big, if the issue is substantive, you're going to have to have that prayer time. How often? Uh, several times a day at first. If you're a worrier, um, get some knee pads. Okay? Because it's going to take some time to get disciplined about the new way of thinking about it. But when you get that peace, notice it says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, as you build up your peace, you build up your blocks. Picture it like blocks. This is my mental health and my, my, my stability and my steadfastness and my confidence. And what protects that 
is this wall of peace. And that's why he says, and the peace of God, which is way better than your old way of thinking, will guard your heart. And if you ever feel like, because I feel like this sometimes, do you ever feel like you're just like, just waiting for a bullet? Like the phone's going to ring, something's going to happen, something's going to, every day I'm going to get out of bed and something's going to happen. And, and this, I woke up, I was, I was doing phenomenal with my cup of coffee, but it didn't take long for someone to kick it over. Peace is supposed to be like a wall that we build up around our confidence in God. And it guards our heart. So we're not wasting our time here. We're learning how to build a mind, how to have peace of mind. And you can see why I didn't want to rush on to the next part, verse 8, which is everything that we need to think about. We're going to get to that next time. Let's uh, bow together in prayer. And um, if you would allow me, if this need is acute in your life right now, I've stood on this platform and preached when the need was very acute in my life. Thankfully, I'm not at that place today, but if you're at that place today, I would really like to pray for you specifically, you, uh, before we go. Uh, we'll stand and sing and be dismissed, but first I want to pray, and if you're at that acute place now, and you want to have a much, much better week, down with anxiety, up with peace through thankful prayer. If that's acutely you right now, why don't you just stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for you uh, right now. So I'll just wait another moment. I don't need to pressure you to stand. I understand what it's like. You say, I'm just not at that place right now. Praise God. You help me as I pray uh, for these who are standing. Okay? And uh, your humility is something that God's going to honor. I want to just pray right now. Let's, let's, uh, let's all pray. Father, we uh, just want to start by confessing what is readily apparent to us in this message, and that is anxiety is uh, not a weakness. It, it, it's not a, it's not a struggle. Uh, it, we want to call it what it is, Father. It's sin. It's sin. It's, it's choosing not to trust. It's choosing not to pray. It, it, it's, it's magnifying our circumstances and minimizing you. And that is the last thing that we want to do. And so we ask your forgiveness for our fretful patterns. We want to live lives of true confidence in you. And so we come before you now in... in uh, in thankful prayer. Thank you that we are here today at church. Thank you that in your grace and mercy you've opened our eyes to the glorious truth that is found in Jesus Christ and we have been forgiven for all of eternity through your kindness to us in Christ. And were you never to do another thing for us, our lips should never cease to speak of our gratitude to you. We are deeply thankful for your grace and your mercy, the very opposite of what we deserve. So thank you that we are here today and in Christ by faith today. 
Thank you, Father, that we're not walking this life alone. Thank you for our church and a place where we can come and open your word and, and hear your truth uh, laid before us to bring us to this place. Thank you, Father, for the humility to stand to our feet and not be ashamed to acknowledge that there's a resource that is needed that is beyond us. We're not smart enough to figure this out. We're not dedicated enough to fix it. And so as best we know, you've commanded us to cast our cares upon you. Thank you for saying that to us, and that's what we want to do right now. Thank you that you never tire of hearing from us. Thank you that you are never exhausted in any way or, or even extended. Thank you that your capacity so infinitely exceeds our need. That out of your riches in glory, you can supply this need. Thank you that your heart is toward us. Thank you that you know how to give good gifts to your children. Thank you that you've proven your faithfulness again and again. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you never change. Thank you that you never grow weary or tired. Even youths fail in their strength. But thank you that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And we ask you, God, to renew our strength. We ask you to take our anxiety and replace it with your peace. We ask you to take our burdens and replace them with your presence. We ask you, Father, to give us faith. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to believe that the situation that caused me to stand today is known to you and that you're at work even if I can't see it and that this is not the end and that something new is coming and a new day is going to dawn and you're going to prove your faithfulness and you're going to just show how awesome you really are. Thank you, Father, for the news of how you met this mountain of need in our church through your people. And thank you for what that promise is about your intent to work in our church in the coming year. And I want to be part of that. I want to be a, a man or a woman who's changing and growing. I want the current uh, strain to uh, increase my faith. I want to grow in thankfulness. I want to grow in prayerfulness. Thank you for this circumstance that is birthed in me a sense of inadequacy and a desire for peace. And so I lay the burdens of each of these loved ones in front of you, Lord, each situation known to you, and I pray that you would grant to them in this moment your peace. Holy Spirit of God, come and give the calm assurance that what you are doing is best. Give it now, Father. Give it to them now. Out with my anxiety. In with my peace. Thank you for your response to our prayers of gratitude today. In Jesus' name. So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's Word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God, and for loving others more and more until we see Him face to face. 
Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.